thing that happened this past week was the junior high camp. And could we get a hand for Shalice and Zach? Uh, they did a great job for two weeks straight um, doing the high school camp and then the junior high camp. And uh, there were some problems with water and all that kinds of stuff up there, but uh, they championed it out and they're all, uh, they're still alive. So it's, it's a great uh, blessing to have both Zach and Shalice working with our young people. My son, Asen, went up there for his first camp and he, he just loved it. So uh, thank you guys for everything that you do with our kids. Uh, we're in a, in a series called uh, Intentional Relationships and one of the things that God has been talking to me about is, is loving well. And we don't have forever with the people that are around us. Um, last night, we were at, there's two graduation parties. One was Mackenzie's graduation party and another was uh, Rin. And both of those uh, young people were a part of our church and are leaving for college. And, um, and no matter how, um, how much it seems like we have the people around us forever, uh, it's never forever, and, uh, and what God has called us to do is to love the people around us well. Amen? Uh, turn to the person next to you and tell the person next to you, God wants you to love well. God wants you to love well. God loves, God, God loves you, and he wants you to love well. Um, let's start by reading this. So last week, we started our series by talking about how we're loved by God. And a lot of times we do so much to love the people around us, but it's so important for us to get filled with uh, the love of God, his forgiveness before we, uh, before we give that out. Today we're talking about loving yourself. How many of you love yourself? Anybody love yourself? This, I think there's, a, there's something inside of all of us that kind of cringe when you hear that because we're always taught not to be selfish. And when somebody says, you need to love, we need to have self-esteem and we need to love ourselves. There's a truth in that, but we can take that to an extreme where we're selfish, right? And how many of you know that, that you don't want your kids to be selfish, but how many of you would want your kids to love themselves and to have a healthy self-image and to accept themselves and to love themselves and to forgive themselves? And so there's a balance. And God, in the same way as our Father, He wants us to have an, a healthy relationship with ourselves, to forgive ourselves and to love ourselves and to accept ourselves the way that he has created us. Um, so let's read the scripture together at the Kana 3. This is from Matthew 22, 37 through 40. Um, one, two, three. So Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And this is the first and greatest commandment. We spent time last week to talk about that and how the Lord is our shepherd and we shall not want. He, he makes us to lie down in green pastures, leads us beside the still waters. And so everything flows out of that relationship with him. Uh, but let's continue reading. Uh, and the second is like it, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments hang all the laws of the prophets. And a lot of times we ignore, we always talk about loving others, but we don't talk about loving, loving ourselves. And so this is something that we're going to dive into today. Um, let's, let's open in a word of prayer. God, we just thank you for your word. Thank you for your love for us, that you created us in your image, and that you've called us to love you, to love ourselves in a healthy, in a healthy way, and then also to love others as we love ourselves. And we pray that you would speak to us through your word. Uh, we pray that 
you would give us clarity and remove confusion uh, in our lives as it pertains to this passage of Scripture. We pray that you would, uh, even as you love us and want us to, to care for ourselves the way that you care for us, God, we pray that you would uh, help us to understand that and not just understand that, but give us the grace to walk that out in a practical way. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. How many of you know that, that you can do the right thing for the wrong reason, and if you do the right thing for the wrong reason, it becomes the wrong thing? You guys got that? Sometimes you can do the right, a right thing for the wrong reason, and if you do the right thing for the wrong reason, then it can become a wrong thing. Um, a good example of this is uh, when my kids are extra nice to me, I get suspicious because I know if they're extra nice to me that there's probably something that they want. And if there's something that they want and they're just being nice to me because they want something, then it's not the right thing. And normally I'll say, like, what do you want? Just tell me what you want. And then they'll tell me what they want, and then I'll tell them yes or no. How many of you have experienced that as parents? Or, you know, you, you can, sometimes you sniff that out. With ourselves and loving ourselves, there's three different reasons why a person can love themselves. And I want to talk about these three things. Because if you love yourself for the wrong reason, it can be the wrong thing. So, so a part of the confusion around this topic is because we love ourselves, we've been taught to love ourselves for the wrong reason. Number one, we can love ourselves because we compare, and that's wrong. We could love ourselves because we're competent, and that's another wrong reason to love ourselves. The last reason is we can love ourselves because of our creator, and that's the right reason. Let me explain. The first, how many of you love our culture and its, uh, its philosophy of the participation trophy generation. Anybody like, do you guys even know what I'm talking about? Um, my, one of the first times I was exposed to this was when my son was playing soccer, and they said, we're not going to keep score. We're not going to keep score because everybody's a winner. And, and so they were concerned that kids were going to have a damaged self-image and a da damaged self-esteem if they kept score and some were winners and some were losers. And so instead of teaching them that they have value in spite of winning or losing, they just make sure that there's no losers. And to make sure that there's no losers, they don't keep score. And the first time I heard that, I was like, this is so dumb. You know why that's dumb? Because all the kids still keep score. I would ask my kids after the game, who won? And then they would tell me who won, and I would say, what was the score? And they would tell me what the score was, even though there was no scoreboard, and everybody got a trophy. They all kept score in their head, and they all knew that there was winners, and they all knew that there was losers. And as adults, instead of saying that there's winners, there's no losers, there's no winners, we're all the same, they should say, we are win there are some winners, there are some losers, but everybody has the same value. God loves everybody the same. I, I, have, a, I have a better idea. Instead of like giving everybody trophies, you should give like the winners the trophies, and then for the people who lost, you could have like a trophy for the best attitude. Or you could have the trophy for people who never missed the practice, a trophy for people who always came on time, that we could reward people according to the character and, and what they have, how they have done things instead of just saying there's no winners or losers. How many would get behind that? 
I, I think we need to teach our kids that, that it's not about just winning and losing. We, we don't get our value and our love for ourselves by comparing. And if we're better than that person, then we have more. Or if we didn't win, then we have less. Everybody should understand that we have value no matter how we compare with others. Does that make sense? So that's something that we need to understand is, is our value is not based on how we compare with the person sitting next to us. Um, I'm tempted to say something really, um, really bad about my sister and how I'm worth so much more than Sharina because I'm so much more talented and better looking. And, but I'm not going to say that. Sharina, I'm not going to say that. Um, so we shouldn't compare the other thing. So once this philosophy made its way out into our culture, the second thing, they, there was a pushback on that saying, no, we don't get our, com our confidence by a lack of comparison. We get our confidence by our competence. And so if we become really good at something, then we'll naturally become confident, and we don't need other people to tell us that we're confident. We don't have to have the, the trophies and stuff. We can just be confident because we're competent. How many like that? It's a little bit better, but then what happens when you get old and you can't hit the tennis ball the same way? Unless like you're my dad and you hit the tennis ball like the same till you're like 80 or something. Or what happens when your memory starts slipping and you're not as sharp as you once were and you base your whole worth and your value on your competence? That's, that's not fun. Like yesterday, I, yes, I'm, I'm almost 50 years old. Is that crazy? I, I don't like that, that I'm almost 50 years old. But we went hiking. It's my first time in my life that we went to Twin Falls, that I went to Twin Falls. Because it was always like a boring hike for me and like all the tourist cars are parked out there. And so I, I just would always drive past it. But I, I thought, I need to go to Twin Falls just because I live on Maui and I've just never been there in my whole life. So we get there, we hike up to the top part, and there's probably, I don't know, 30, 40 people there. And I always see pictures of people jumping off the top. And, and I thought, why is nobody jumping off the top? So Paige, she, she goes to the very top and she's standing at the very, very top. And I'm thinking, I kind of want to jump like how I did when I was in high school and when I was, you know, like younger. And, and I thought, but, you know, flash floods, they wash down big rocks and there could be like rocks underneath the water. So I, I swim and I, you know, feel down and it's probably like 10, 11 feet. And I'm like, oh, you know that, I, maybe I could jump off that cliff. And so I, I, I come back to the shore and I'm sitting down and then all of a sudden I see this like holly girl teenager come out of the top and she just jumps right off the cliff and boom, into the water, and she's like, everyone's like, woohoo! You know, they're like clapping. I'm thinking, I'm not going to be outdone by this, like, tourist 15-year-old girl. I've been, I'm a local. I've been here all my life. I can't be scared of jumping off this cliff. So, so I went to the top, and I was like, when I was younger, I could do, like, flips off cliffs and stuff. I'm going to try. And so I was, I looked, and I, 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 I did a flip, so I pushed off and I did a gainer, I did a flip, and I over-rotated just a little bit so that I hit my butt on the water harder than I normally do, and I just heard this pack, and, and I felt like a sting, and I was like, oh, that's not that bad. And so I went and I did it again, and I landed perfect. But this morning, when I woke up, I could feel it, 
and I feel it even now. My butt is all sore. And, and, and you know what's crazy? Is my stomach muscles, it feels like I did like 100 crunches, and all I did was lift my legs up two times. And I'm all sore now. And I'm, I'm looking through these scriptures, and I'm like, I'm so glad that I love myself, not because I'm competent, because then I'd be really depressed. <laughs> but I love myself because of my creator. Everyone say creator. This is what David says, and this is how he says it. In Psalms 139, 13 through 14. Let's read it together. One, two, three. For you formed my inward parts, and you covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you. Why? For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows right well. David, he says, I'm wonderful, and I'm marvelous. Why am I wonderful and marvelous? It's not because of my competence. It's not because when I compare myself to someone else, I'm better. He says, I'm wonderful and I'm marvelous because you made me. Isn't that cool? That we can love ourselves, we can look at ourselves and say, you are wonderful. Why don't you tell yourself that? Say, say your name. Say Jackson, Jaden. Jackson, you are wonderful. And yeah, just say your name and say you're wonderful. Say you're marvelous. Just say it. Do it, do it right now. I want to hear you. Say it. Does it feel weird? Does it feel weird to say your name and to say, you are wonderful. You are marvelous. But how many of you love to hear it from someone else? It's, it's so nice to hear it from someone say, say it to someone else. Say it to the person sitting next to you. Tell the person sitting next to you, you are wonderful. You are marvelous. Now, how, how come it doesn't feel the same when you say it to yourself? Because sometimes you don't believe it. You don't, you don't accept it from yourself. It's easier to accept it from someone else. But God says love others in the same way that you love yourself. There used to be an SNL skit where he would look in the mirror and I forgot what he would say. He would say, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and gosh darn it, people like me. <laughs> yeah. That's actually a biblical principle. <laughs> SNL was teaching the Bible, even way back then. Um, our flock, and so what do we do? Uh, God made us, he loved us, he created us in his image. Um, every time that I see, there was a guy that was outside of Target, and I was like on my phone outside of Target waiting for my wife to finish her shopping, and he came out, and he asked me to use my phone. And I, I was like, I don't know. And then, and then he, he showed me his hands, and his hands were all messed up. Like, it was all, like, 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 like not scarred, but it was, like, open sores and just all disgusting. And, and he showed me his hands, and he was, like, showing me the sores on his face, and I thought even more so I didn't want him to touch my phone because it was like all open so sores and stuff. But there's something inside of me that like when I saw him, 
I thought, this is an image bearer of God. Like, no matter what is going on on the outside, like, th- God loves this guy. And he bears the image of his creator. He was fearfully and he was wonderfully made. And, and so, but I didn't want him to touch my phone. <laughs> and I said, God, help me. You know, like, and so I said, just wait out here. And I went inside and I bought a disposable phone. And, it, you know, it's, it's like, I don't know, 30 bucks or something like that. I bought it, a disposable phone. I came outside. I gave it to him. I said, God bless you. And here, you can, you can have this phone, and it will work for, I don't know, 30 minutes or something. I don't know what the time was on it. And so he took it. He's like, thank you, thank you. And then, um, and then I went back into the store to, to find Joss. And when I was walking out, I saw him returning my phone for money. <laughs> and I thought, this stinker. <laughs> but then I thought, you know what? It's, it's, it's up to him what he does with, with what I gave him. And God bless him. And, and I, I think the reason why it's easy to want to bless people is when we love ourselves first because we were made in his image. And then we can look at any other person and understand that every other person is valuable as well because they were made in the image of God. And, and one of the things, so then how do we resolve the question about if we're made in the image of God, what about our flaws and what about our weaknesses? The person sitting next to you knows your flaws probably better than you know your flaws in some ways, right? Because God puts people around us as mirrors that can see things that we can't see. Um, let's read the scripture together, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches in needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. Paul, he says that, in all of these weaknesses that he has, that he, he boasts in these weaknesses because it's in these weaknesses that, he is made, that God's power can rest in him and he can be made strong. How many of you look at your infirmities and your weaknesses and you can boast in those things because God is made strong in that? It's hard to do that, right? A lot of us hate our weaknesses and we want to get rid of our weaknesses. And I think the only way that we can embrace weakness in our lives is to understand this next scripture, Romans 5, 6 through 8. Let's read this at the count of three. One, two, three. For when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. But perhaps for a good man, somebody would even dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. That in that while we were sinners, in our weakness, in our, in our shortcomings, in our rebellion, in all of that, Christ didn't wait for us to work our way out of it. It said that in that, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so understanding the love of God helps in this area of weakness in addictions, in fears, in doubts, in lack of discipline, in idolatry, in all of these different areas, it, it helps because understanding that God loved us in that condition 
He loves us in that condition, but he loves us too much to leave us in that condition. He loves us in that condition, but he loves us too much to leave us in that condition. Isn't that a great truth? There was somebody that was saying that they were struggling in the area of their sexuality. You know, and they were talking to me about it, and they were saying, why can't, why can't people, Christians, just love me the way I am? And I said, people do love you the way you are. God loves you the way you are, loves you exactly the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you the way that you are. Like, there are weaknesses in all of our lives. Not all of us struggle with the same type of sin, but there's, all, there's sin that all of us deal with in different ways. And God in his love, he loves us exactly the way that we are, but he loves us too much to let us stay that way. And how do we respond? Do we, we say, God, just accept us the way we are? Or do we say, God, in my weakness, can you be made strong? Can we come to him in an attitude of humility and say, God, help me with my anger. Help me with my lust. Help me with my idolatry. Help me with all of these different things. It comes down to two perspectives of how we view weakness. One way that we can view it is through condemnation. And the other way that we can view it is through conviction. Condemnation is from the enemy, and condemnation a lot of times comes from our own guilt and our own selves. Condemnation is very broad, and it's just this heavy feeling that pushes us away from God, that says, you're not accepted, nobody loves you, you're never going to change, and it's just this broad, heavy weight from the enemy that pushes us away from God. Whereas conviction... It points out weakness, but it doesn't point it out in a way that's condemning. Conviction is specific, there's hope in it, and it's filled with love, and it draws us closer in dependence to Christ. And so in all of our lives, when we know we're made in the image of God, and that he loves us in spite of our weakness, when he points out weakness in our lives, it's easier to, to, to let that drive us closer to God and say, I am weak, and I can't do this alone. Will you help me in my weakness? And when we come to God in humility, motivated by the conviction of the Holy Spirit, he begins to mold us and change us into the image of his son. Isn't that amazing? And what the enemy wants to do is just fill people with condemnation to drive them farther from Christ and fill them with this this confusion that, I'm just, this is, my desires is who I am and I'm never going to change. And if you don't, if you don't accept me the way that I am, then you don't love me and I don't love you. And that's, that's not what God has called us to. And that's, that's not the highest and best for our lives. Our flaws are meant to frame God's strength. Um, Honesty and transparency is a pathway for God's power. Let's read this together at the count of three. One, two, three. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And this is the power of of small groups and being in fellowship with other believers that a lot of times there's a 
temptation in culture to always put our best foot forward, whether it's on Instagram or Facebook or whatever it is. We think because we get our value from comparison, if I can post better food or I can post better pictures or I can post a better vacation, then people will love me more. But what we don't understand is a lot of the, the victories in our lives will impress people, but the failures in our lives will influence people. It will impact people if we're transparent about our weaknesses and be vulnerable with others and, and ask them to pray for us. And that's where the beauty of fellowship in the context of a small group really can strengthen our faith is when we can get together with other people and be vulnerable and say, hey, I've been struggling and I need prayer. And that's one of the, the main reasons that I go to small group every week is because I can't do it alone. I need people that will pray for me. I need a group of people that I can like hear their struggles and realize that I'm not alone in mine. And the scripture says where two or more are gathered and agree on anything that God will answer that prayer. And so uh, it's so important for us to be transparent with others about our weakness and how we're allowing God to change us. Amen? Um, and then the last thing, letting God love others through us can save others. Uh, let's read this last scripture at the count of three. One, two, three. Galatians, oh, sorry. Galatians 5, 13 through 14. One, two, three. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another, for all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. God's called every single one of us to love. And the way that we love well is we allow God to love us, and then we have to love ourselves so that we can love others. Um, I was telling the first service that, and the worship team, you can come up. Um, we'll close with singing together. Um, but I was telling the first service that my father was such a good example of love. And I remember two when I was thinking of, like, what are two things in my life that I'm reminded of uh, when I think, does my dad love me? You know what those two things are? The first thing that came to mind was when I broke my dad's nose. And he, didn't even, he doesn't even remember. But we were, he wanted me to mow the lawn, and I was trying to, like, pull the lawn more, and it wasn't working. And so he came behind me to look at what I was doing, and I yanked it, and I elbowed him in the face, right in his nose, and I remember I looked behind me, and all blood was coming out of his nose, and I felt so bad that I broke my own dad's nose, and the first thing I thought was, I'm going to get lickings. <laughs> I just broke my dad's nose, and he totally forgave me. He was like, don't worry, it was an accident, and I felt so bad, but I felt like I knew that he loved me. Another time, was he bought a brand new car, the first brand new car he ever had in his life. It was parked back here, and he parked right behind me, and I didn't look in my rearview mirror when I backed up because it was in the back of the church. I went straight into his brand new car and dented the whole thing, and I came into the church, and he was in the church somewhere here, and I said, hi, Dad. And he said, hi, and I said, I love you. And he goes, what did you do? <laughs> And I said, I just broke your car. And, uh, and he looked at it, he's like, oh, he's like, that's okay, I'll, uh, I'll look up the insurance. And I felt, wow, I felt like my dad loved me, you know. And, and, and I started thinking of the times that 
that I knew that my dad loved me, and it was during times that I messed up. How many of you feel love more when you mess up than when you are, like, perfect? You know? Like, the scripture says, he who is forgiven much loves much. And what God has called us to do to love well is to not only accept forgiveness in our weaknesses from God, but to extend that forgiveness to those around us. I was, uh, you know, reading the story of the Texas shooter that killed those 19 kids in the classroom. And one of the things that marked this young man was there was a classmate that was talking about this, this kid. And he said, this kid would come to school and he would recognize like scars on his face. And he'd say, how are, are you okay? Like you have scars on your, are you okay? What happened? And the kid would look at him and say, I did that. And I think it looks good. And there was this hatred that this kid had for himself he didn't get along with his mom. He didn't have a dad. He was kicked out of the house. He was living with his grandparents. He didn't get along with his grandparents. Actually, that day that he shot up the classroom, he got in an argument with his grandma and his grandfather that day. And, and it didn't seem like he got along with anyone. And in all of that, he hated himself. And I feel that there's a power in this gospel we all participate in the power of this gospel because we understand the love of God, the forgiveness of God, and he's called us not only to receive that, but then to give that love to those who are in a bad place. And who knows if, if that kid had encountered a believer that could communicate the love of God, maybe that wouldn't have happened. And, he's, and the, the thing about things like that is it lies underneath and everybody can look perfect on the outside, but you don't know what's going on inside. But God has placed us within our communities, within our families, within our workplaces. And he's given us the gospel of redemption, of, of forgiveness, of grace, and of, of mercy. And, and through showing mercy, God can communicate his love. Amen. Why don't we all stand and uh, we'll close in this, in this song. God, we just thank you for your word and God that you ca called us into relationship with you to love ourselves the way that you loved us and then to give that love to others. And Lord, we just pray that you would help us, God, to receive love and then to give love to, to this world. You've placed every single one of us in the areas of our community that you have called us to be a light and to make a difference. And Lord, I pray that each person here, Lord, that, that we would surrender to that call, we would surrender to you, and to love this community well. We ask this in Jesus' wonderful name, and all God's people said, amen. There's, there's one thing that, you know, when I read that story, it said that mass shootings have tripled in number since Columbine. And the shooting isn't the issue. The, the reason why it's the root cause is that there's a hatred that people have for themselves. And then when they hate themselves, they can easily hate others. And it's an absence of the presence and the love of God in our communities. And, and God has called you to be a vessel, to receive the love of God and to give it this this world and our culture will not turn around by taking guns out of school 
this community will turn around by putting God and his love in school. And, and policies, they can, they can kick God out of school through policy, but they cannot get rid of the people of God in schools and in workplaces. And, and so God has called every single one of us to be that light and to be salt in a world that needs him. Amen? So may the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. God bless you. Have a great week. Be salt and light.